Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, again, I think they'll have uh, our opening text on the screen. And then from there on, we're on our own. So you'll notice there's a Bible there in the pew in front of you. If you don't have one with you, if you don't have one on your phone or your device, I encourage you to grab a Bible. Let's look at these passages together. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 18 through 20 to get started. We are continuing our unofficial mini-series in the church prayer list tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. When you found it, if you would, please stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read these three verses I ask if you would read them in unison together with me. Here the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So tonight we're going to flip it on his head. A lot of times we've been looking at what did Paul pray for the churches. Tonight we're going to look at what did Paul ask that the churches pray for him. We're going to look at this together. Father, we love you. I pray that in these moments you'd help our hearts to be open, to be ready, to be eager, to, to anticipate, to hunger, to thirst. For that which you have for us tonight. Give us, I pray, a readiness to both hear and heed all that you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, of course, in this series, we are deepening our church prayer list. Because uh, I truly believe that prayer is one of the most underutilized weapons in our arsenal. We, we make much of meetings and programs and strategies and this and that, but I feel like in our go, go, go and do, do, do society, one of the things that we are so quick to overlook is that of prayer. Very often prayer gets left until there is nothing left humanly to do. And so instead of it being our first resource, it is our last resort. And I'm going to tell you, we got that flipped on its head. Because the devil doesn't really fear what you and I can do. But I'm going to tell you, the devil trembles at what God can do. And so prayer, we know, makes a difference. Prayer overcomes distance. You see, when I pray, I invite God to places where I'm not physically at. You know, you can pray for Brother Joel. And even if he's not in Clyde, Ohio, you can invite God to work in and through this man, whether he's in Ohio, Iowa, even in Michigan, amen, if he ever wandered up there, pray for God to work. Prayer overcomes distance because I invite God to be where I cannot be. Prayer overcomes difficulty because I invite God to do what I cannot do. Prayer overcomes dread. Those things that maybe I even fear or have anxiety about, I invite God to intervene even there. You know, you look all throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged to pray. Jesus encouraged us to pray. The apostles encouraged us to pray. Our experience, our own heart encourages us and draws us to pray. And tonight we are going to look here at Ephesians chapter 6 and we'll look at some other passages as well. We have found that Paul prayed for many things for the churches. That they love more, that they grow, that they understand uh, the love of Christ for them. That they be one, that they be unified. Paul prayed many things for the churches. But you know, when you flip it on its head and you say, what did Paul ask the churches pray for him about? As you go through the epistles, really, there was one request that topped the list. 
And that was that Paul asked people to pray that God would give him many open doors and many open hearts with, which he, with whom he could boldly share the gospel. So tonight we're going to focus on verses 19 and 20 of our text. And we're going to look here at something that I believe every one of us need to add to our church prayer list. Look with me at verse number 19 if you would. Ah, we'll go back to verse number 18. Verse 18 and 19. There Paul writes, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so Paul here, of course, this comes right after the, uh, the, 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 the section on our, our, our foes that we face, the spiritual wickedness in high places, the armor that God gives us. And we have here a summary statement that we're to pray and we're to pray always and we're to pray for all saints. And then he says in verse 19, and for me, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Could I have us take note first of all tonight that as we look at Paul's prayer request for himself, that this request stems from a serious burden. If you want to take notes tonight, they won't be on the screen, but you can still take them. Roman numeral one, a serious burden. How many of us recognize Paul could have asked prayer for a lot of things? Paul's ministry was distrusted and distorted by many. He was constantly, his ministry was constantly under attack. Physically, Paul was abused. Paul was abandoned. We, we believe that in many ways, Paul was medically compromised. Paul could have had a lot of requests that he put on those churches' prayer lists. I love the passage in 2 Corinthians 11. Turn there if you would. 2 Corinthians 11. Hold your place in Ephesians 6. Turn back to 2 Corinthians 11, and here Paul is going to delineate some of the things that he went through. And I think any one of these would have made my prayer list. 2 Corinthians 11, let's look beginning in verse 23. Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He says, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measures, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Honestly, if we stopped with verse 23, there's a few things that if they had happened to me, I would have asked you to pray for. I'd have said, hey, I'm in prison. I need you to pray for that. Hey, I'm about to die. I need you to pray for that. Paul goes on, though. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a day and a night have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And he said, besides all these things that are without... That which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I've said it before. Paul says, I had to deal with all this stuff on the outside, and I have to put up with all your foolishness on the inside. I'm going to tell you, if I were the Apostle Paul, there were a lot of things from that little section right there that probably would have made my prayer list. I'd have said, hey, Harvest, I need you to pray that I don't get beat with rods, that I don't get stoned, that I don't get shipwrecked, that I don't get maligned, that I don't get... I need to pray. There's a lot of things that I think I would have you pray for. And yet when you look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and you look at the writings of the Apostle Paul, you recognize that a burden for souls gripped the Apostle Paul 
like nothing else. Here in Ephesians, what does he say? And pray for me, he says, that what? That I may have safe passage? No. That utterance may be given unto me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Look, if you would, at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Just a few pages over in your Bibles. Colossians chapter 4. Here he's writing to another church. Look at verse number 3 of Colossians chapter 4. With all praying for us also. So again, here he's telling this church, church, I need you to pray for something for me. And what does he ask this church to pray for? That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. For which I am also in bonds. Paul looks at the church at Colossae and says, guys, I need you to pray for me. That God would allow me to be an effective witness for him. Look, if you would, at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians. Here he's writing to another church. Here the church at Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. What do you think he's going to ask him to pray for? Well, look there in your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it was with you. Paul says, I need you to pray because I'm going to these other cities and I'm going to these other places. And my heart is that the word of God would have the same impact there that it had on you. I'm going to go to people's houses that have never heard. I'm going to go to cities that have never heard. And I need you to pray. He didn't say pray that I'll be safe while I'm there. He didn't say pray that we get a good offering. He didn't say pray that that I get to be be in a prominent position in the city. He said no. Pray that God's word does a work there for them just like it did for you. You look at this man's heart. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Paul said this, brethren, it is my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul's prayer for men, whether they were Jews or whether they were Gentiles, Paul's heart was gripped for souls. Paul had a burden for the lost world around him. Now we ask prayer, don't we, for what we feel the burden of. You know, if I'm burdened for a medical issue, I'm going to ask prayer. I, I, I need the Lord to move in this medical need. If I feel the burden of a financial issue, what am I going to do? I'm going to ask prayer. I'm going to pray for that financial need. If, if I have a burden of a material issue, my car breaks down, my house breaks down, something else breaks down, I'm going to ask prayer for that material need. But the thing is, we are going to pray much for what we are burdened much about. And if we're not careful, the reality is there's much to be burdened about in this life. I mean, everywhere you turn, there's something to be burdened about. Whether it's in your life, in your neighbor's life, in the country's life, in this city, in that city. You you watch any of the news. There's a lot to be burdened about. But here's what I'm going to ask us, church. Has the burden of that which is urgent and immediate crowded out the burden of that which is more significant and eternal? We're so busy praying about an upcoming... Fill in the blank, surgery, job change, unexpected life circumstance, 
that praying for lost souls has been bumped way down or in many cases completely bumped off our list. (coughs) You know, often I've said, we've got to be careful that we don't spend time praying to keep saints out of heaven or we don't spend so much time praying to keep saints out of heaven that we fail to pray to keep (coughs) sinners out of hell. I mean, it's not a bad thing to pray for brother so-and-so's surgery or sister so-and-so's physical or financial need. But we spend so much time praying about the things of this life that we pray very little about people's needs for the next. Our, Our prayer lists are lined with a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you the most significant thing are souls. Our souls. When is the last time that we truly, truly so had a burden for souls that they made the top of our prayer list? You know, Jesus taught his disciples to pray for souls, to pursue souls. He, he told them in the book of John and other places, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Paul pointed out in Romans chapter 1 that he considered himself a debtor to all men in the gospel. This is not a matter of guilt, but of grace. Uh, God has so blessed him, he can't help but pay it forward kind of way. And here's what I want to encourage you about tonight as we just kind of open this thought with a serious burden. If you'd be so honest with yourself and with God to admit that you lack a burden for souls, might I encourage you, ask God for one. Ask God for one. I tell you, he's burdened for souls. He's burdened for souls. How do you know that? Well, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How do you know that? Because God commendeth, he demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, he didn't wait for you to clean up your act. Nowadays, isn't it crazy? I'm going to be careful here. Isn't it crazy you can't go see a doctor when you're sick? Like, I've been told by my doctor on several occasions, oh, well, if you've got a cough, the doctor's not going to see you, quote, unquote. I'm like, then why do I have you for a doctor? <laughs> like, i got to be well to go to the doctor. <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that to you? Amen. That you had to clean up your act before you came to the cross? Aren't you glad that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you? Aren't you glad that the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Here's the thing. God has a burden for souls. And if we are honest enough with ourselves in Him to recognize we lack a burden for souls, maybe we should ask Him for one. Maybe we should put it on our prayer list. God, I'm not burdened like I need to be. It's been a long time since I have worried about a soul or stayed up praying for a soul or even had a soul on my prayer list. Maybe we should ask Him. For a burden for souls, general and specific. You know, it might be dangerous, but maybe you pray, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. Mm -hmm. Maybe you stay and you pray until God does. Until God gives you the name. And maybe it'll be a family member. Maybe it'll be a neighbor. Maybe it'll be a co-worker. Maybe it'll be a friend. But what if, what if we just decide... We wanted the burden for souls that God wanted us to have. We see here as Paul asks the church to pray for him, we see it stems from a serious burden. What else do we see here? Look with me at verse number 19 again, if you would. Paul says this, and for me, 
He said that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Not only do we see this stemming from a serious burden, but might I submit secondly tonight that Paul asks this because he recognizes that there is a spiritual barrier. He recognizes that there is a spiritual barrier that exists. You saw Paul prayed here that utterance would be given unto him. That, that God would enable him, give him the words, the reason, open his mouth to make known the mystery of the gospel. You see, Paul recognized that he didn't have the words, the reasoning necessary. Now, can I point out here, the gospel is not a sales pitch. I think sometimes maybe we get too comfortable and we have our little routines and our ruts for how we have to share the gospel. The gospel is not a sales pitch. We're, 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 not, we're not hawking a used car here. Buy today. Don't delay. For a limited time only. And by the way, we do want people to get saved. Amen. Amen that's right. But sometimes... If we're not careful, we have our little speeches and we have our little this and that's and, and it's all rote and we do the same thing and, and it's not spirit-led at all. It's our sales pitch. But the gospel is not a sales pitch. It is not a used car. It is not a mattress. It is not a retirement plan. And Paul here said, you need to pray for me. That utterance, that words, that reasoning would be given unto me that I might open my mouth and boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. I want you to think about that. It wasn't that Paul lacked an understanding of the content of the gospel. No, Paul knew the content of the gospel. Paul wasn't saying, guys, I need something given to me because I don't know what to say. No, Paul knew the essence of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. That he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul knew the gospel. And so it wasn't a matter of Paul's going, guys, I don't know what to say. So I need you to pray for me that I might know what to say. That's not it at all. Paul understood the content of the gospel. So what is Paul saying here? I believe that Paul is acknowledging the reality that though he understood the content of the gospel, Paul also understood that he himself lacked the capacity to save a soul. Because there is more to this than helping someone understand a set of facts. There's more to it than that. You see, it's not just a physical or a mental thing. There are spiritual barriers that exist. Look with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. One of the verses that we looked at on Sunday, even. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse, beginning in verse number 3. There the Apostle Paul said this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world... Who is that, church? Satan, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so it's not just a, a, a passive disconnect that the lost world is experiencing. The God of this world is actively blinding their eyes for the purpose that they not 
understand the good news of Jesus Christ. You recognize the devil has a plan for this lost world? Just like God has a plan for souls. And the devil is not a passive observer. No, the devil's going to do everything he can to keep somebody from getting saved. Everything he can to keep somebody from getting saved. He actively blinds the eyes of the unbeliever in order that they not see the light of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2 and in other places, it refers to, to those who are unbelievers as being dead in their trespasses and sins. And so church, we understand that there is more to this thing of seeing people come to Christ than helping them understand a set of facts. They have blinded eyes. They have a blinding enemy. They have a dead spirit. There are spiritual barriers in place. Moreover, here in Ephesians chapter 6, as well as some other places we read, it refers to it as the mystery of Christ or the mystery of the gospel. Now, let me point this out. A mystery in the Bible is this. It's not a whodunit, right? It's not a whoo, what does that mean, right? A mystery, though, is a truth that was previously unknown, previously not revealed, but is now revealed by God. And so we, we have the mystery of the church, the one body in which Jews and Gentiles are, are one or a part of. When they talk about the mystery of the body of Christ, it's, it's not, ooh, the church, what is that? We can't know it. No, that's not what it's saying. It, it talks about the mystery here of the gospel. And so God has done revealed something new that that wasn't previously known or revealed and i think that's important for us to understand this is not some this is this is a new thing this is not some facelift on some old religion it's not judaism 2.0 god has done a new thing and so this this thing of coming to christ and receiving christ it's not something that is assimilated or added to the old life. It wasn't something that somebody, as they went, was going to just, oh yeah, that sounds good, I'll add Jesus to the direction I'm already going. That's not what this is. No, God has revealed the suffering Savior has bought salvation with His shed blood. Amen? Three days later, He rose again. Amen. And it's not adding Jesus to my good works. It's not adding Jesus to my Judaism. It's not adding Jesus to my baptism. It's not adding Jesus to anything. No, it is a 180, amen? amen. And turning from turning to the Lord Jesus and following Him. And so we have the spiritual barrier in place. You know what? I think Paul understood something. Paul understood that even though he'd been at it a long time, Paul understood that if a soul was going to get saved, it was going to be God who was going to have to do the saving. Yes. Amen. We remember from our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, neither is he that watereth anything or planteth, but it is God that gives the increase. God that gives the increase. And so Paul could be as experienced as he wanted to be. Paul could be as eloquent as he wanted to be. Paul could be as captivating, as charismatic as he wanted to be. Paul could do all these different things. But the reality was if God didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. Period. So Paul prayed and asked this church to pray that God 
would make blind eyes see. That God would open the eyes and the hearts of the spiritually dead that they might be born again. That we would pray for God to be and do what only He can. You know, sometimes I think we get too comfortable in the procedure and the program. Oh yeah, we have a water going on. That's great. They're memorizing God's Word. That's wonderful. You recognize the devil wants God's Word to stay up there. Because it, 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 I've seen kids, you know kids, who can rattle off Scripture, but it doesn't mean a thing to them. It doesn't change the way they live one, one lick. And that's a disconnect. You know what makes the difference between God's Word being stuck up here and God's Word transforming down here? You know what? It's God. It's God. It's God. And I'm going to tell you, church, we would be wise to spend a lot of time asking God to do what only He can do. We can pass out thousands of invitations for Easter. We could have thousands of people show up. But if God doesn't show up, What, 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 what good is it in the long run? Oh, you know, the Wednesday after, we could pat ourselves on the back. Wonderful job, Harvest. But if God doesn't show up, and God doesn't open eyes, and God doesn't open minds, and God doesn't open hearts, I'm going to tell you, I can't do it. I'm going to tell you, you can't do it. I'm going to tell you, the play can't do it. The choir can't do it. The Sunday school teachers can't do it. If God doesn't do it, it's not gonna get done we're gonna we're gonna knock on every door in in Clyde and and a lot in Bellevue and a lot in Fremont we got some I don't know if it was 5,000 or 15,000 Johns and Romans it's a lot so we're gonna be at it for a while you know what we could give every single one of them out but if God doesn't do the work then we've we've gotten a lot of steps on our Apple watches and Fitbits And we've spent a lot of money. And we've done a lot of time. And all those things are good. We need to do all those things. Amen. That's part of our part. We, we need to sow. That's right. yeah. But it just makes sense. That since I can't give the increase, that as I sow, I need to follow my face and ask God to do what only He can do. Churches we consider tonight with the Apostle Paul asked people to pray for him about. Maybe it's something we should add to our prayer list. Do you, do you have a serious burden for souls? If not, would you ask God for one? Let me ask you, as we, as we live our spiritual lives and as we minister as a church, do we recognize the spiritual barriers that exist? And as we do... Can we fall on our faces and ask God to give us what we need to do what only He can do? You see, it wasn't the content that Paul was worried about. It was the capacity to do the job. So we see here a serious burden. We see here a spiritual barrier. But I want you to see one other thing Paul asked for. He asked for it twice, verse 19 and verse 20. Very interesting. He said, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth. What's that next word, church? 
boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak, what is it, church? Boldly. Boldly as I ought to speak. So we have a serious burden. We have a spiritual barrier. The last thing tonight that I'd like to draw your attention to is a spirit-filled boldness. Paul asks that the church pray that he would be able to open his mouth boldly to make known the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Boldly. Twice he asks that the church pray for him to be bold. The idea of speaking boldly means to be able to speak with both freedom and with confidence. You know, I look at our world and people are bold about a lot of things. People speak freely and confidently about a lot of things. They speak freely and confidently about the sports they like, about the politics that they like, about their hobbies. And in our day and age, they speak a lot about themselves. Uh, they speak freely and confidently about themselves and self-promotion. I'm going to tell you, they may have some news, but we have the best news. Amen. Amen. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And God loves us so much that since we couldn't go to him, he came to us. Your sins separate you from God. You cannot get to God on your own. Your sin has created a distance between you and God that you will never overcome. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You couldn't go to him, so he came to you. The consequence, the wage of your sin is death. And there is nothing that you can do to nullify that. But though the consequence, the wage, the result, the paycheck for your sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. He took your death that you might receive his life. I'm going to tell you, church, we need to be bold about the gospel message. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, he said, For I am not, you know it, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I, I love Romans 10, 14. Let's look at that if we could flip over. I've given your fingers a break. Let's jump back at it. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not heard, or in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Without a preacher. Here we have a herald, a proclaimer. This is not the pastor, the elder, the shepherd of the flock. No, this would be somebody that would, that would speak on the behalf of the king or of the leader, the magistrate. And he would walk into the town square and hear ye, hear ye. Thus saith the king. And herald the good news of the king. You know, that's what every single one of us are called to be. Heralds, proclaimers for the good news of the king. But you see, here's the problem. All right? You got to be honest with yourself tonight, okay? We struggle. We struggle. Because the reality of the good news of Jesus Christ, yes, it is the best news. But the message of Christ and his cross, you know what it is? It is foolishness to those who do not believe. Remember that from 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 23. It is foolishness 
to those who don't believe. And I don't know about you, but my flesh doesn't like to look foolish. You know what I don't do? I don't read the comments on YouTube for our channels and stuff. You know why? Because I don't really want to know what people are saying. Because here's what I do know. That the message of the cross is foolishness to this world. So I don't read the comments. You can go read them. Just don't tell me. Some of our college and career, they like to screenshot them and send them to me. I'm like, stop it. I'm not going to read these. My flesh doesn't like to look foolish. I just don't. The message of Christ and his cross is foolish to those who do not believe. Can I, can I draw out another application tonight why we might struggle with this? Because the message of Christ and his cross, it's not just foolishness to those who don't believe. It is infuriating to those who don't believe. It is infuriating. You look at our world. Our world wants to think that they are their own gods. That they can choose their own right, their own wrong, their own gender, their own you fill in the blank. And I'm going to tell you, to tell somebody who thinks they're their own God that they are not their own God, that there is a God and they will stand before him and give an account, I'm going to tell you, they don't like that very much. I'm going to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ is going to be painted more and more in days and weeks and years to come. More and more, we're going to be painted by this world, no matter how loving we really are, as a hate-filled organization. Because we simply hold to the reality that there is right, there is wrong, and you and I don't get to determine it. God already has. That alone is enough to, to label us a hate group in many places. You realize there are pastors in Canada who have been charged and drugged before courts because they said things that I have said from this pulpit. This is not a, a closed country, a Muslim nation. This is not a communist nation. Well, Canada, I mean, it kind of is at this point, but not, not on paper at least, right? And if you don't think it's not coming here, I'm going to tell you, unless things change, the message of cross and his Christ is not only foolishness to those who don't believe, it is infuriating to those who don't believe. And I'm going to tell you, just like my flesh doesn't like to look foolish, my flesh doesn't like to feel vulnerable or fear like it has, uh, feel like it has something to fear. The message of Christ and his cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. The message of Christ and his cross is infuriating to those who do not believe. I'm going to tell you, the message of Christ and his cross will be rejected by more then who will receive it? As Brother Joel pointed out on Sunday, narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there be to find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Let me ask you, which is more? Few or many? Many. And my flesh doesn't like to be set up for failure. You know, we've all experienced all of these things at different times if you've witnessed for Christ. I remember one time I went out knocking on doors and I was out with, I think it was with Christopher. And we knocked on the door and this nice lady answered and we talked for a moment. Then some dude came up behind her screaming and hollering and foaming at the mouth. And I'm like, all right, Christopher, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, I was fearful the physical assault was coming. And he yelled at me down the street, you devils, you devils, get out of here, you devils. My son, more spiritual than I, was like, dad. We should pray for him. 
It's like, you're right. The whole time I'm thinking, why I oughta, but. My flesh doesn't like to feel foolish. My flesh doesn't like to be confronted. My flesh doesn't like feeling like it's failure. But I'm going to tell you, all of those issues, they center on me. And the reality is, if that's how we're going to live, if that's how I'm going to live, a me-first Christian and a me-first church will never reach a me-first world. Church, Jesus is still the answer. He's the answer for every person. He's the answer for every family. He's the answer for every culture. He's the answer for every country. Jesus is still the answer. And Paul, it is obvious from the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul that Paul recognized that Jesus is the answer, period. And so he asked that the church would pray that he would boldly give the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you tonight. Do we have the boldness that we ought to have? Do we have the boldness we ought to have? Rubber meets the road. You have to be honest with your soul and with the Savior. Do we have... I'm going to tell you, I struggle. You know what? It's a whole lot easier to stand here than it is to walk up to somebody and hand them a gospel track. It's easier to talk to dozens or hundreds of people than it is to talk to one. It is. Do you have the boldness you ought to have? I'm not saying everybody needs to climb up on the back of a pickup truck and say, Hear ye, hear ye, thus saith the king. I'm not saying we all need to do that. But I am saying when the Holy Spirit prompts our hearts, we all ought to be bold enough to say, Yes, Lord. And if that's a gospel track, if that's a can I pray with you, if that's a, as Brother Joel said, what's your spiritual story? Let me share you mine. If that's as simple as, not, as simple as to send a text and say, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'd love to talk to you sometime about spiritual things. When the Lord prompts your heart to have enough boldness to say, yes, Lord, and follow through. Well, if you look at your heart tonight, and maybe you recognize like I do that I'm not always as bold as I ought to be. What do you think we ought to do? What do you think we ought to do? Pray for it. Pray for it. Do you want a burden? Do you need a burden? Pray for it. And then look for it. Do you recognize the spiritual barriers that that you can't overcome? Pray about it. And then look for God to answer. Do you need boldness? Pray for it. Look for it. I even encourage you, find some of these and pray the scriptures. Look at Psalm 126, and we're going to end with this. Psalm 126. A number of years ago, I I preached through this psalm. I I did it in two or three weeks. We went really slow through it. But I'm just going to look at the last two verses tonight. Psalm 126. We can apply this text here. Just make the application as we close to that of soul winning. That they that sow in tears shall reap Enjoy. So in tears. You know what that is? That's a burden. That's a burden. 
shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I wonder tonight as we consider our church prayer list, we consider our personal prayer list, and we might even pray this psalm, these last two verses, Lord, help me see the significance of a soul. Lord, help me see the significance of eternity. Lord, help me see the significance of heaven and hell. Lord, help me to sow liberally the good news. And Lord, do what I cannot bring an increase. Lord, help us to be ready to reap that which you grow. Lord, help us. Here's the thing. We're called to sow in water. Amen. His job's to give the increase. But church, when it comes to soul winning, when it comes to giving the gospel, a burden, the barriers, and boldness, let's never substitute programs and procedures for prayer. Because if God don't do it, it ain't going to get done.